Welcome to the Thrive Infertility Podcast, brought to you by the Quillet Institute, your mental health resource to support you during your season of infertility. We are here to help you thrive. Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive Infertility Podcast. This is Kathy Quillett, host of the podcast and CEO of the Quillett Institute. I'm super glad that you've made the decision to join me for another episode. I love creating these spaces and, and just hope that you enjoy meeting me here in a world that maybe lacks a little bit of remo- emotional contact, relational contact. But my hope is, is that you walk away from each of these feeling encouraged and empowered and really super validated. Where I want to start today is I want to read you an excerpt of Peace and Fertility, which is my workbook that goes along with my online program through the Quilla Institute. I want to read you an excerpt of Peace and Fertility today. I'm going to regroup with you after, but please, please allow me just a couple minutes to read this. I want to talk about our relationships today. It says, pretend for a minute that you want to admit that you've seen the movie Mean Girls. I'll go first. Guilty, Your Honor. There is a scene in the film where one of the characters is describing the school's cafeteria. The camera pans out to show a drawing of how the girls perceive the social divisions of the school. There are several tables occupied by a variety of different school cliques. There are the geeks, the techies, the weirds, the dropouts, and of course the clique the audience loves to hate and covet simultaneously, the plastics. Characters walk in and out of the cafeteria and know where they belong. They dare not venture where they do not fit in in the hierarchy. Someone designated this spot for them. Even if they covet another clique, they ought not go outside their social class. Perhaps a social promotion will ensue. One can only hope. If there were a cafeteria tables for your current social situation, you might feel a little like you were living in the same scene, described. The first table hosts the newlywed women who are enjoying their date nights, having playful, uninterrupted sex, and enjoying spontaneous adventures on the weekends. Having recently secured their man, they have only hopes and dreams ahead of them on the horizon. Their naivety is undeniable. Set before them are only their hopes and dreams of a family. I was there once. Were you? At one table, you would find the young moms, glowing in their exhaustion, reveling in their stretch marks, confident in their new clique. Obviously, to the group they left behind due to their seamless permission to the new table. They have everything you have only dreamed of. They have experienced the joy of mama-to-be parking when they registered for all their glorious mama-to-be paraphernalia. They have the maternity photo shots, with the naked bellies. They have their moment with the gender reveal party. They perhaps know what an episiotomy and epidural feel like. They have the whole package. They are the maternal plastics. Sitting at the table further away are the moms of school-aged children. They have this mama thing down. They have survived the toddler years and are confident leaving their children in the care of another, unlike the previous grouping. They can go on date nights again and eagerly await autumn as they push their sweet children back onto the school bus. Their stomachs have shrunk and they may even long to try again for another child. 
If not, they're urging their husbands to schedule an appointment for, with their urologist to have the dreaded vasectomy. If only our husbands were so lucky to be faced with that decision. Another table hosts the women who have recently launched or are ready to launch their children. They appreciate their mama role as they are able to graduate from the intensity of it. The children who belong to the moms of these tables are currently being cared for by these women who were stuck with the I remember when my child was young bewilderment. Last, we find ourselves observing the wannabe table. That's us, right? The infertile mamas sit here, invisible, quietly coveting, insecurely processing, blotting the corners of their eyes while the other women roar with laughter. You hope to be promoted one day. For now, however, you sit, head down, focusing on your food, hoping like in high school, you don't stop your period. So that's from Peace and Fertility. And I wonder what emotions this brings up for you. I've been outside of my own journey of infertility for like eight years. And I read that and I still get it. I read that and I feel the emptiness. As I wrote this years ago, I wrote that excerpt for something else in 2016. And I was raw when I wrote it. And so I know a lot of you maybe are bobbleheading along like, I totally get it. If I had, if I could survey all of the women that I speak to on a weekly basis, whether through the Quilla Institute, through Tennessee Reproductive Therapy, or just online in the, in the social media world, I think almost unanimously people would say, I feel, um, I feel lonely. I feel detached. And here's what I want to remind us all infertility does not change our femininity. Infertility might make us feel different, but what every woman in this metaphorical or symbolic classroom has in common is, is that our very sense of our femininity, our womanhood. We don't have to surrender that to walk into this room. We feel different. I mean, I, I just imagine the girl friend of mine that called me once and she found out that one of her coworkers was present or pregnant and she had just started her period and she had left the area of the cubicles and went and like crouched down on the concrete floor of the public restroom in her work building crying. And she called me and she just said, Kathy, I'm so different. I don't matter. I'm so different. Every other person's life is passing me by. And we get that, don't we ladies? Perhaps, you know, I, I am a mom now. I'm a mom through adoption, if you don't know. But this sting's still really present. People can sit around in a group and talk about their pregnancies, even if they've been hard even if they have miscarriages or the children they've had or the children, you know, that they had decades ago. And that is a situation I will never understand. I'm at peace with it. It doesn't trigger me. It doesn't harm me. But that's an experience that some of us will never have this promotion. And so that makes us go to the core of who we are, to the root of our femininity and say, 
what is wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I see those posts all the time on social media. Why me infertility? What did I do? What did I do to deserve this? Is this karma? Does God not think I'll be a really good mom? What's going on? You are currently in the middle of your journey, wherever you are in the middle of your journey. And if you still are longing, you're not at the end. There are options for you, and I'm not going to pretend to know where you are. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend time this week listening to, identifying, getting back into who you are as a woman. I posted the other day that we can't surrender our womanhood for our parenthood. We so often, and I've spoken on here before, I know I did. You lose who you are on the way. I've sat with so many women in therapy and been like, okay, take infertility away. Who are you? What do you enjoy? I know I've talked about this on here, but who are you and what do you enjoy? And so many of them will say, as I did, so there's no shame. I don't even know who I am anymore. I don't even know the things that I used to enjoy, the things that I used to be. My life is so consumed with infertility and I'm so locked into wanting to be a mother that I forget all the other pieces. I don't know who I am. Sister, I don't want you to live in this confusion anymore. Now, a lot of us are living in this world. I've mentioned it before, but I feel like COVID in 2020, now we're like in the 14th month of 2020. I feel like we're all living in this state of depression. COVID and the pandemic and the, and the rules set to us by governing whoever's has handed us depression on a silver platter. When we look at symptoms of depression, we look at social isolation, check, check. We look at low motivation. Even if we have high motivation, we can't really do a whole lot unless you're living in a state that feels pretty isolated. We went to South Dakota in September and nobody was wearing a mask and everybody was living really freely because at that point they hadn't hit their surge. So maybe that's where you are. We lose interest in pleasurable things when we're depressed. Even if we had interest, we can't go do anything. Our sleeping changes, our diet changing, our drinking changes, our coping, med- uh, coping skills change when we're dealing with depression. That's where we all are right now. So how can you find yourself as a woman, A, in the throes of infertility, but B, in the middle of COVID? Let me ask you, while you're sitting at this table with maybe the other want to be mamas, like I talked about in that, in that excerpt that I read to you earlier, who are the sisters that you can find in that? If you're saying, I don't know where to look commercial, just for a second, join the thrive society. It's $12 a month. Will you, we have group calls every other week. We have experts come on. People will say like, Hey, this is what I'm doing with IVF. Anybody else done it? Come join us. You are welcome in this space. We are not too big for you and you will not feel left out of the click. Join and you will find your people. I promise you. Okay. Commercial done. If it's not the Thrive Society with the Quillen Institute, where can you find your people that you can go sit 
head held high, even in the middle of infertility and say, you're my people. Go to a resolve group, moms in the making, waiting in hope. Find your people. Find your people so that you don't have to hold your head down and feel like I can't look up because what if somebody else has what I want? We remember high school. The high school lunchroom felt terrible for people. And so I know that this metaphor works because we carry on this same idea. But sister, let me say that you have just in your femininity alone, regardless of your season, the power within you and the ability within you based on your femininity to walk into that room of women of which you are with your head held high. You can walk into every room, even the most fertile of rooms, even your OB-GYN or RE's waiting room with your head held high based on the fact that you are a woman of value. Your womb might not be full yet. You might have diagnoses that we don't understand. Even unexplained infertility, which is like the cruelest, it's not saying there's not a problem. It's saying we don't have all the answers to all the problems yet. And so we're going to clump you into this, which is, I know, a great insult. This feels like the season of your life where you would do everything for a diagnosis. And we can't even give you that, which means we can't even give you a, deep, uh, a treatment plan. You, again, based on your femininity, have everything within you to walk into a room full of fertility, fertile people with your head held high based on your, your femininity and your value as a woman. No clicks, no women, no peers that may be further along with you can take that away from you. No season, no circumstance, no person who might put you down, no person who cannot understand you, no diagnosis can diminish your value as a woman. I'm like pounding on my computer right now because I want to shake your shoulders and get that so far into who you are. I feel like every time I get the mic by myself on these, on these uh, podcasts, and trust me, I have other ones recorded, but I hear this a lot right now. I'm interrupting my normal schedule because I want you to hear so emphatically from me that you are a woman of value regardless of your fertility. You might never have a child and that value doesn't change. If you were to sit into, with a room with me, now I have a recurrent pregnancy loss, four infertility diagnoses, and a partridge in a pear tree. Okay, listen, I never birthed a child. And I guarantee that you would sit in a room with me, not tooting my own horn at who I am as a therapist or anything, but who you see me as a woman, you would not, I bet you, see me as a less of a woman. You wouldn't be like, oh, well, you're a failure. You wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, are you even a woman? You wouldn't judge me. If you're not going to judge me for having medical conditions, which stop me from being able to have children. And again, like I said last time, don't tell me I have, I have time. There's hope. I don't have a uterus. Okay. Y'all that ship has sailed. I've made peace with it. I'm not broken as a result. I can look myself in the mirror and say my menopausal self. Yes. I'm not even 40 and I'm in menopause. I'm in menopause. My body has changed. 
I'm living under these hormonal ick that like our moms dealt with when we were in high school. Okay. I'm there. I didn't have kids. You would not cast judgment on me. So don't cast judgment on yourself. Do you see how parental I just got? You wouldn't. So sister, please, if you're going to speak love and acceptance to me and my own story, and the fact that I can't have kids and your lack of judgment for me, hear me when I say, sister to sister, your value matters like mine. Women who cannot have children, women who have a quiverful, women who adopt, women that lose children, our value is the same. We are all the same type of woman. We're in different seasons, sure, but we all matter just the same. Somewhere in us, and it was probably in a lunchroom, somewhere when we're young, we decided that there is a hierarchy socially. And I know that we picked that up somewhere. I know that as little girls, we are taught that body images are different than people who are liked first by members of the opposite sex matter more, that people with a more expensive clothing matter more, nicer cars in high school matter more. That's garbage. We need to step out from under that self-shaming paradigm and say, I get to walk into any room with my head held high because I am a woman, because I am me and I have value. And I know I've said this on the podcast before, but I have to reiterate for you over and over and over because I want to interrupt that script that is spoken over us as women and has spread down all the way to the vulnerability of just wanting to be a mom. We have value. The end, period. I love you. Wherever you are in your season, I'm here for you. Join the Thrive Society, buy a book, do a coaching package. I'd love to continue to help you through this. If you want to check out Peace and Fertility that I read from earlier, it's on my website, y'all, under resources at the Quill Institute. It's also online. You get it for free if you buy the the Peace and Fertility program, which is just $147. And then you get a $47 book free. Okay. I want to be able to support you however I can even if it's just a weekly free podcast that comes to you and I tell you that I'm in your corner and that you matter, okay? Head held high this week. Get it. Go head held high. That's it. Okay, I'll see you next time. Have a great week.